Trinity Baptist Church. This is a portion of God's story as told in the book of Joshua. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Deborah, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent out word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them, defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and to Makeda. The word of the Lord. I want to um, do some slogan association. It's kind of like word association but different. Um, I'm going to say a slogan, and you tell me what it relates to, okay? Um, like a good neighbor. Stay farm is there. It really is. Um, um, what's in your wallet? Somebody over here said nothing. Um, capital One. Um, have it your way. Oh, it's not McDonald's. Burger King would be very upset with whoever said McDonald's. Um, just do it. Uh, what's another one? Um, I ought to be getting paid something for these. Uh, taking people to deeper intimacy with the Savior. You better get that one right. <laughs> Slogans or short phrases like that can, can do a lot to communicate the, you know, kind of the 
the ethos that a company wants to wants to put out or or the the mission of an organization or it, it tells you something that they want you to know about them. And the phrases that we use to describe God, even short ones, tell people something about who we believe God is, what who um, who he is to us. There's a, a guy by the name of Leland Wong who is an evangelist to uh, the Chinese people in, in the United States. And at the top of his letterhead, he has these three phrases that I think are just awesome. It says, the sun stood still, the iron did float, this God is our God. Isn't that great? The sun stood still is from Joshua 10, 13. The iron did float is from 2 Kings uh, 6, 6. And this God is our God is from Psalm 48, 14. And what are those phrases, when, when Leland puts them out there, what do they communicate to you about who he believes God is? That he works beyond boundaries. He does the impossible. He is an all-powerful, miracle-working God, right? I mean, just those short phrases. And that's what we're going to be looking at in our text this morning. The, the phrase, the sun stood still, comes from Joshua chapter 10. Uh, it's a little bit past where Benji read, but we're going we're gonna to look at that. And I'll tell you, the thing that this text challenges me with is, do I believe that God actually did this? Do I believe that, that this is my God? Did the sun really stand still? Did God really make that happen? And that's what I think all of us have to wrestle with today. We're in this series called Taking, um, Taking New Ground, and if you are just coming in, maybe you were here for Easter last week, and you thought, oh, I'll check that out again. We've been, we've been going through the book of Joshua, looking at, at learning some principles about what it means to take new ground in our lives spiritually. What, as, as a congregation, as individuals, what, what, what does it mean for us to move forward? and to, to conquer new, new land. We've seen a number of different principles. We've seen um, courage. We've seen obedience to, to God, His Word. Um, we've seen responsibility. We've seen accountability. We've seen a number of different things. But this morning, we're going to see something that I think is an umbrella under which everything fits. And that is, how big do I believe my God really is? Can He enable me to take the new ground that I think he's calling me to take. The first five verses that Benji read a few minutes ago talk about this alliance that had come together to fight against Gibeon because word had gotten out that Gibeon had entered into this treaty with, uh, with Israel. And the scene is essentially this. The, the king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zedek, hears about the victories at Jericho and Ai, and he gets nervous, 
And he hears about this alliance with, with Gibeon. And Gibeon was, a, was a, a great city with a great army. And, and they should have been in this alliance against Israel. But now they've sided with Israel. And so Adonai Zedek goes out and he, he marshals all of these uh, four other um, kings of these uh, city-states around him. These guys who normally would be feuding against each other. They are now coming together because, not because of Gibeon, but because of Israel. But their thinking is, let's, let's attack Gibeon and cut their forces in half before Israel and Gibeon can combine and then come get us. That's the scene. That's the picture. And so they go to attack, um, they go to attack Gibeon. Now I want you to think for a minute. What if Israel had come across the Jordan, had come to Gilgal, which was this fertile plain? What if they had, had come over and said, hey, this is fine. This is good. We, you know, cattle be good here. Flocks be good here. We can just set up our own city-state right here. Gilgal is fine with us. What if they hadn't attacked Jericho? What if they hadn't defeated Ai? And they just set up shop there in Gilgal. Do you think these five kings would have come against them? Would have opposed them the way that they did? I don't think so. I mean, if, if this... You know, if Israel comes over and they're staying away from me and they're just doing their own little thing over here... I don't have to worry about it, right? So what was it that, that riled up these kings? It was the fact that Israel was being obedient to God's call to conquer the land. It was because they were, take, in fact, taking new ground. What, what's the principle for us? Friends, if you're going to take new ground in your life, you will be opposed. You will face opposition. You can count on it. Um, I, I'm sure all of us could tell stories of when, when you were trying to do something significant for the cause of Christ, you felt either natural or supernatural opposition in doing so. Um, you were trying to develop that character trait within you, or you were, you were trusting God to, to do something in you or through you, and you just felt opposition. Uh, we feel it around here all the time. When in the weeks leading up to, to you know, Holy Week, when all the preparation was going into the Passion Walk and Tenebrae and Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday and all that stuff, I mean, it was, it was like warfare around here. I mean, we were fighting battles on all kinds of fronts. You know, I got sick. I was in bed with 103.5 fever, and I was coughing like crazy. Half the choir got sick. We had other things going. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff happening. Why? Because Satan doesn't want us to accomplish what God has called us to. And so whenever we are taking new ground... He's going to come against us to distract us or dishearten us so that we'll just say, you know what, Gilgal's just fine. 
I don't, I don't have to take anything else. We're good. This is fine. But friends, God has called us to conquer the land. He's called us to continue to step forward in faith so that we can become the, the men and the women that he's created us to be and fully experience the abundant life that he's called us to, that he's given us. Verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. I think it's important that we stop right here for a second and remember Go back a couple of weeks because um, remember in in Joshua chapter 9 when Joshua and Israel got tricked into this treaty. Remember the the Gibeonites come and they deceive them into entering into this treaty. You know, the people say, we got to kill them, we got to wipe them out. Joshua said, no. Joshua said, no, we're going to honor our word. We're not going to kill them. Because we said we wouldn't. Right? Now, and maybe this is just me. But I'm thinking, okay, now we got five kings coming at Gibeon. Hmm. I don't have to kill them. But I don't have to protect them either. Right? I I can kind of drag my feet a little bit, and I got tricked into this deal, and so I'm going to just, you know, not respond so quickly, and I'll show up. Oh, shoot. Oh, we're late. They're already killed. They're all dead. Our bad. Sorry. You know? And just kind of rationalize our way and get out of this difficult situation. Joshua didn't do that. Joshua said, no, we've given our word. And he had learned that obedience was the only way. At the, um, with the victory at Jericho, the defeat at Ai, and then the subsequent victory at Ai, he had learned that being obedient, being faithful, honoring what God had called him to was the only way forward. And so here, he says, look, I've given my word, I've given my oath in the name of the Lord, and we're going to do this. Um, He doesn't rationalize his way out of it. Friends, if we're going to take new ground, we have to be people of integrity. If we're going to take new ground, we have to be people of our word. God is a God of his word, and he calls us to be people of our word. He calls us to be people of integrity. And too often, I think, and I know this is my tendency, I, I tend toward comfort, and I, I, wanna, I don't want to take the hard route. I want to take the easy route. And if I'm in a difficult situation, even if I've created it for myself, I'm, in, I'm interested in finding a way out. And if that means rationalizing and maybe not honoring, well, maybe, maybe I should do that. Friends, God says, no, you stay in that. In a tough marriage, in a bad marriage, 
and you're looking for a way out, and then you're, you find out your spouse cheated on you, and you're going, oh, good, there's my, there's my get-out-of-jail pass, right? Because God says that you can get, you know, divorce is permissible in the, you know, grounds of infidelity. Yeah, but God also says he hates divorce. God also says stay in the, in the situation where you are and be true to your covenant. In a difficult job situation where you've signed a contract and you're looking for a way out because this is just, it's untenable and you're looking for loopholes so you can get out of it, stop looking. Honor your commitment. And, and keep asking and say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do in me? How can I take new ground in this circumstance that you have me in? as I honor my word here. Even if it takes marching all night. See, that's what Joshua did. They marched all night. Verse 9. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Mekedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. I think that's really cool. These are like smart bomb hailstones, right? They're nailing the Amorites and not the Israelites. (laughs) Wow, that's very cool. I don't know. Verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, and as as it is written in the book of Jeshar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Just as, just as God had stopped the Jordan River from flowing so that the nation could walk across on dry ground, he sent these smart bomb hailstones, and he stopped the sun dead in its tracks. God reversed the natural order, or he, he worked outside of the laws of nature in order to bring about his purposes. You see, it wasn't about miracles on demand. It was about God doing what he needed to do in order to accomplish his purpose so that Israel could take this new ground. Um, the, the hailstones we get because they're retreating and, and so God's knocking, uh, he brings in the heavy artillery, you know. Um, but the sun standing still was also very important because if it got 
if you know Israel marched all night they they were tired they needed reinforcements and and the Amorites are fleeing, and if it gets night, these guys escape. They, they get away, and then it just prolongs the battle. And so Joshua says, I, we need some more daylight in order to finish this thing off. And so God does it. Now, I've read some commentaries and some explanations of, of this passage where people are trying to explain how, uh, explain scientifically how it might have appeared that the sun stopped and they had this, you know, there was a cloudy sky and the sun was refracting and all this stuff. And I'm going, what? They're trying to explain this when the only explanation is God did it. Either he did or he didn't. How big is your God? Either he did or he didn't. A miracle, by definition, is an event not ascribable to human power or the laws of nature. Okay, that's what a miracle is. How do you explain this? You don't. How do you explain that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead? You don't. How do you explain that Jesus walked on water? You don't. Or that Peter was enabled to walk on You don't. You don't explain a miracle. You just see that it happened and you, and you believe that God is big enough or he's not. God says through the prophet Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Friends, the Lord is in control of the natural elements. If he wants to stop them, he can stop them. Psalm 74 says, that day and night belong to the Lord. Everything he has, cre- he has created is his servant. If God can't perform the miracles that are described in Joshua chapter 10, then God can't perform any miracle at all. And we came here last Sunday. This room was packed last Sunday because at least in thought, a lot of us believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, if he can do that, he can do this. And if he can do this, he can perform miracles in our lives as well. How big is your God? Verse 16 through the end of the chapter records in detail how Joshua and Israel conquered each of these city-states and the kings that had formed this alliance. You can read it when you get home. It's fascinating reading. Um, But what, what we need to do this morning is we need to think, okay, 
If, if 2 Timothy 3.16 is true, that all Scripture is profitable for correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, then i got to look at Joshua chapter 10 and say, what's in here for me? I think there's four things. And you may have more. But the first one we've already talked about, when you're trying to take new ground for the cause of Christ, you will face opposition. You just will. And you need to count on it. And... Maybe the the flip side question is one that's more convicting for some of us is if you're in a place right now where things are just kind of going smooth and you're not feeling opposition, that probably means you're settling for the status quo, right? That probably means that you've set up camp in Gilgal. And you're not trying to take new ground. Because Joshua experienced the opposition because, for the very reason that he was moving forward for the cause of Christ. That he was moving forward in what God had called him to. And he was taking new ground. And if you are taking new ground in your life spiritually, and if we're taking new ground for the cause of Christ as a church, we will experience opposition. But if we're not experiencing opposition, we're probably not trying to do anything. So there's something healthy about being opposed if you're trying to move forward for the cause of Christ. Uh, Number two, when you're trying to take new ground, you have to live with integrity. You have to, God is a God of his word and he calls us to be people of our word. And you will not be able to take new ground in your life spiritually if you are, um, if, if you're a vacillator, if you waffle on things, if you don't um, honor the commitments that you know God's called you to make. Um, or even if you don't honor the commitments that you made, even if God didn't tell you to. Because that's what got Israel in trouble. They made a commitment without consulting the Lord. But then God said, well, you made the commitment, now you honor it. You can't take new ground if you're always looking for a way out. Number three. When you're taking new ground, you can be vulnerable. And I don't know if you caught it when we read verse 12. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. I love that. In the presence of of the nation, he asks God for this huge thing, right? He's not afraid of being embarrassed. He's not afraid. Well, what if God doesn't do it? You know, he just says, Lord, I'm, 
I'm putting my faith on the line. I'm putting my neck on the line. You've called us to victory. You said that you would deliver them to us. Right now, we're going after them. And what we need now is the sun to stand still. So God, you need to do that. That was Joshua's prayer. And he wasn't afraid for people to say, you know, he wasn't afraid if God didn't do it that way. Are we vulnerable in that way? Are we putting ourselves on the line? Are we putting our faith on the line and saying, you know, I don't care if if I get embarrassed by this or not, but this is what I need, Lord, and this is what I'm asking for. You know, I love Peter when he's, you know, in the boat and and Jesus is walking on the water and and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I want to come out there too. I'm, I'm coming. He's not afraid to, to, you know, get his feet wet, literally. He's not afraid to step out. He's, he's putting it out there. And he's asking God to do something amazing. Josh was asking God to do something amazing. Question, what are you asking God for right now that only God can do? Is there, is there anything in your life where you know that you need to grow? There's, there's you know, a, a life-controlling pattern or there's, there's difficulty in a relationship, in a marriage, or there's something going on at work, or there's some, somewhere there's something that you know is beyond your control. Where are you stepping out in faith saying, God, I'm putting my faith on the line. I'm trusting you. I'm going to be vulnerable in this. But I need you to help me move forward here. Where are you praying that prayer? What is the prayer that you're praying? And lastly, when you're taking new ground, you have supernatural resources. You just do. Nothing is too great for our God. I don't have time, but I could tell you the story of how we came to New York to be a part of of Trinity. And it is nothing short of miraculous. There are no natural explanations for why things happened the way they did. God did it. Um, We live in an apartment that God provided for us through means that I can lay them all out for you and you would go, no, no, yeah. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense, and yet God did it. I could recount a number of, of times in my life where I, I could show you, God did this, God did this, God did this. There's no other explanation for it. Friends, when you, are, when you are intent on taking new ground for the cause of Christ in your life and, and corporately, There are supernatural resources. If you believe your God's big enough. 
So the question is, how big is your God? Some of us have really small gods. Some of us don't believe that God can handle the inspiration and transmission of his word, that this really isn't his word. It's just something that that man has cobbled together over time. Some people don't believe it. God's not big enough to do that. Some people don't believe that God's, God's big enough to heal. Some people don't believe that God's big enough to care for the downtrodden, that God's big enough to, to deliver from a life-controlling sin habit. For some of us, our God is just way too small. So how big is your God? Did the sun really stand still? Did the iron really float? Is this God our God? If he is a big God, shouldn't you serve him in a big way? Let me pray for us. Lord, you know that even though you have shown yourself to me in a very big way, that there are unquestionable miracles that you have done in our lives. I still have a tendency to not think of you big enough. I still have a tendency to resort to my own designs on things, my own power to accomplish and and I have a tendency to want to settle for comfort and not step out but Lord what is so wonderful is that this full and abundant life that you came to give us you, you give us the power to step into it if only we will. So I pray for us as a I pray for us as individuals this morning that we would be the men and women who who believe in a God that does miracles that go beyond explanation and we just have to say God did it. I believe I, I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women who who not only believe that intellectually but but it impacts our lives so that we step out in faith we We do the things that are needed in order to take new ground in our lives, knowing that because you are a miracle working all powerful God you will enable as we step toward you. And Lord, I pray that for us as a church, that in, in this season, we would look to you for huge things. And we would not be afraid to put our faith on the line and ask you for huge things knowing that you've called us to make a difference in this city. And we want to do that. 
And Lord, we come to the table now recognizing that the greatest miracle of all was accomplished on the cross and the empty tomb when you gave your life that we might have the forgiveness of sin, that we might be in relationship with you so that we could then experience this abundant life you came to give us. And so, Lord, we celebrate that this morning as we do every week, knowing that this is our life, this is our strength, this is our power. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.